Welcome to Broad Gauge Gossips, the podcast where you can learn about the faculty of the Department of Military History in the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or U.S. Government. All right, we're here with Dave Mills, Associate Professor of Military History at the Command and General Staff College Department of Military History. Good afternoon, Dr. Mills. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your background, uh, where you're from, where you did your schooling, what service you did. So I was a history major at uh, Frostburg State University, really small school in western Maryland, where uh, uh, I really got interested in military history because I had just a fantastic professor who would kind of dive into some of the details that you just wouldn't normally read about in a book and and that sort of thing. And after uh, my undergraduate degree w- it was completed, then I, I went into the Army through the ROTC program, went to Germany, uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, came back to the States and uh, finished up my career at, at uh, Fort Riley where I got uh, medically retired. And then I bounced around corporate America for a few years and decided what I really wanted to do was teach and teach history. So I went to uh, Minnesota State University in Mankato and completed a master's degree and then a, my PhD at North Dakota State University. And uh, actually, my uh, so my main focus was uh, the Great Plains, believe it or not. And so, but what I really wanted to do was military history and Cold War history. And so uh, I kind of got around the requirement to be a Great Plains historian by looking at the Cold War on the Great Plains and looking at the nuclear missile silos and the Air Force bases that were built and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of how I got here and uh, taught for a community college for a few years. But then, so I've been here at CGSC. This is my sixth year, so. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about your research, about the, about the work you've done in, uh, you mentioned uh, the Cold War Great Plains. So my first book was uh, my dissertation, which was a Cold War and a Cold Land, and it was again looking at some of the uh, some of the the buildings, the Air Force, the bases, the nuclear missile silos, and and anti-communism, and you know some of the uh, subjects that you would probably expect. Then my my second book was was a little off the beaten path. It's called Operation Snowbound, and it's about the this blizzard, this series of blizzards that hits the the Midwest in in 1949, and uh, it's really the first time that the Army comes to the rescue of uh, of civilians. They they bring in tons of bulldozers and and have to to clear roads, and the Air Force is dropping hay bales to livestock that's stranded and and can't get access to. Uh, food, but it, it really kind of sparks the whole idea of civil defense and the idea that the government is now responsible for the safety of its citizens. Where before they would literally just write a check to civilian contractors, tell them to go knock yourself out and see see what you can do. And I wrote a a book about uh, great escapes and rescues. With, a, with an English major friend of mine. If anybody ever out there ever wants to write a book, uh, uh, link up with, with an English professor who, who thinks that editing and uh, indexing is a really cool idea. So 
so there, there was that. And now I'm looking at the end of World War II, start of the Cold War, the uh, starvation of, of the Germans, and uh, how the United States really uh, kind of responds to that, that need in Europe to, to, uh, to bring our food. We've, we've got farmers who produce tons of food, and we, we send it over to Europe in order to uh, stymie the communist initiatives of you know, starting um, to infiltrate uh, Italy and France and Germany with their ideology. Um, and um, and really, it's 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 the the Cold War turns green, and how does agriculture fit into the the early Cold War, up to the Marshall Plan? So, um, hopefully, in the, in the next few months, we'll we'll get it out uh, of the of the writing stage and and uh, get some people to look at it. Yeah, need to get you an English professor on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, tell us what you teach here at uh, the Command and General Staff College beyond the core and AOC courses. So the electives, I've, I've really been focusing on 698 and 699, which is uh, great campaigns uh, and on one hand and uh, history of military thought on the other. So these are preparatory classes for SAM students, uh, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the one-year class after CGSC. And so they're re required to take a couple of electives. And I've really been kind of kind of focused on those classes for the last few years and, and haven't developed a um, an, an electives class yet. And that's going to change this year. I'm finally going to turn that research project about the, the, the start of the Cold War and agriculture and, and that sort of thing into an electives class. So it's just really kind of a different way of looking at the the start of the Cold War and some of the different factors that are that are playing into that. Okay, uh, you study food history and in many ways kind of a, a domestic aspect of a war we think of as being foreign, right? And a lot of people think of military history as being battles and commanders and kind of the traditional um, almost hobbyist type. Um, and I'm with you, I don't, I don't tend to write on those things either. So where would you say your work on food history and starvation and uh, you know, civil affairs fit into the larger tent of military history? So there's a, an, an entire focus of military history. What do you do, uh, or, or actually military doctrine, what do you do when, when the shooting stops? You know, the, uh, how, do you, how do you, what are your responsibilities then when it comes to the end of the war? You need to, uh, it's called stability operations. How do you what are your responsibilities in providing for that population, for de-arming your, your adversary? And, and uh, what it really boils down to is, is what are your interests and what, what are your values, right? It would, it would, it, if you're the Soviets after World War II, maybe you're okay with, with the suffering of the population and the starvation of the population. But, but that's not where we are as Americans. We, we, we don't, that would be a violation of our values. And, and so the, the separation of the civilian and military realms, uh, very important. Uh, the, the military will carry out the, the orders of the civilians appointed above them, but you can't rule out the, the will of the population either, which is, which is a very powerful force and, uh, and, and forces us to, again, you know, act on what are those values as opposed to, um, 
what what might you want to do as as the victor and, and what is the right thing to do and so um so it's a little bit of a different way of looking at military history but it's it's um i think relevant uh to the conversation about uh about military history and 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 uh and and how nations conduct themselves uh, when, when the shooting stops. At that point, it's easy to in, impose your will on your adversary, but it, it forces us to, to look at our responsibilities and, and roles and, um, and that. Yeah, I would imagine you really find out what your country's values are. Yeah, you, you would like to think that we're the, the folks with the, with, with the white hats, and, and often we are, but there are also opportunities to, to really dive, dive pretty deeply into into what actually happens, the difference between our heritage, what we think is, is happening, and, and this idea that we're, we're always the good guys. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're not always the good guys. Sometimes we, we need to be uh, led into, into, the, into the, the right direction and, uh, and, and doing those things, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, we, we share having spent time teaching at the, the community college level, so how do you That's think right. that, that helped you um, as an instructor now of, of uh, Army and, and other officers? So the, the, the experience of teaching at, a, at the community college really helped me understand that there are a whole lot of people out there who don't understand the, the past and, and how that has led to where we are in some of the conversations that we're having today. Um, when, when you start talking, for example, um, I tell my students, you know, every once in a while you're going to hear about Munich. Well, you know, it, it, it's Munich all over again. And, and that's a, a pretty common reference. And, and none of my undergraduates had any idea what Munich was. And so, you know, there, there's this idea or, or this opportunity to, to help people understand why we are where we are at, at this particular point in time, right? And so it, it has helped me in, in my writing and in my teaching to not make an assumption that everybody has the same starting point and, and understanding of where we came from. You've really got to kind of peel back some of these layers and explain to people some of the, the basics of, of what we talk about. And in fact, even in CGSC, uh, we'll, we'll talk about for example, the, the, the army coming out of Vietnam in the 1970s. Well, your army is a reflection of society, right? And so all of these problems that you've got in mainstream society, you've got in the army. You've got drug use, you've got racism, you've, you've got uh, the, these generational disputes the, um, between uh, the, the, the generation gap for, uh, to, to recoin a phrase. I mean, sometimes, there are um, opportunities to go in a direction that, that you don't see sometimes. Uh, and another example is when we spent a few minutes talking about the lost cause, when, when we were talking about the, uh, the, the Civil War lecture. Well, let, let's talk about why is the Confederate flag such a hot button issue? What, isn't it just history? Well, no, there's a little bit more to it than that. And, and so students need to have this, this understanding that that they may not have some of the basic facts or the background on why some of these contemporary issues are, are a big deal today. 
<coughs> do you find a connection to the, the work you do on the upper planes and in, in kind of the same messaging? Is there a message the government is trying to send in its efforts in that region? You mean to the, today or, or no, in, in, your, in your research in the early Cold War? You know, that, that, is, that is interesting because culturally, what we've been taught is that the Cold War was absolutely terrifying. Everybody's, you know, diving under their desks. Everybody's, you know, doing these civil defense drills. Everybody's got a bomb shelter in their backyard. And the fact is, at least in the region that I looked at, they, they, they did not see that, that era in, in, at all the way maybe some people on the East Coast or the West Coast did. Um, there were there were newspaper articles about uh, people living beside these nuclear missile silos not paying a bit of attention. There was a quote by one young lady who said, you know, when you walk around a barrel of dynamite every day for 10 years, you kind of lose focus that, that, that that's what it is. And the, the, the people in the Northern Plains did not see themselves as a target. Um, in, in fact, they welcomed uh, the, the, the construction of the nuclear missile silos because it meant construction crews coming into their communities and spending money. They, they welcomed the Air Force bases being built, even though they would be missile magnets and, and uh, the, you know, one of the first targets in a, in, in a nuclear exchange. They didn't see that. As, as a problem. They saw it as an enormous opportunity for, uh, for, for the federal government to, to spend money in, in, the, uh, in, in their local regions or in the, their local communities. No, that certainly makes sense. I think one of the problems we have looking at history is we assume everybody has that 30,000-foot view, right? Right. Uh, I think that people in the, on the plains, at least, fundamentally saw the, the, great, the, the Cold War as different. There was there were uh, there was a, an effort to build an anti-ballistic missile complex. The, the plan was actually to build a, about a dozen of these sites that had the capability of shooting down incoming nuclear missiles. Uh, that would have definitely been one of the first targets. The protests in New York City and and Boston absolutely turned that project around. Uh, Ted Kennedy is in Congress, you know, jumping up and down about how we don't want this, this missile silo in, in our backyard. People in North Dakota were all about, hey, bring it, bring it down here, We're, we'll take it, because mm -hmm. it meant opportun economic opportunity that, that they would not have seen otherwise. Yeah, that's the old Tip O'Neill quote, right? All politics is local. It, it, exactly, yeah. yeah. All right, thank you for your time, Dr. Mills. Hey, thanks for having me. Please be sure to check out our other podcast, A Confused Heap of Facts, where we sit down with military historians from the Department of Military History and special guests to talk about topics in military history.